0: Irving Berlin's White Christmas. The tree will be lighted every day from twilight to midnight until January second. Chapter One. Mary. Mary Ammerman and her best friend Natalie Osner were sprawled on their bellies on the thick Tweedy wall-to-wall carpet of Natalie's den waiting for the first-ever televised lighting of the famous Christmas tree. The den was Mary's favorite room in Natalie's house, not least because of the 17-inch zenith inside a pale wood cabinet, the biggest television Mary had ever seen. Her grandmother had a set, but it was small with rabbit ears, and sometimes the picture was snowy. The furniture in the Osner's den all matched, the beige sofas and club chairs arranged around a Danish modern coffee table with its neat stacks of magazines, Life, Look, Scientific American, National Geographic. A cloth bag with a wood handle holding Mrs. Osner's latest needlepoint project sat on one of the chairs. A complete set of the Encyclopedia Britannica took up three shelves of the bookcase, along with family photos including one of Natalie at summer camp in jodpurs atop a sleek black horse, holding her ribbons, and another of her little sister, Fern, perched on a pony. In one corner of the room was a game table with a chess set standing ready. Not that she and Natalie knew how to play, but Natalie's older brother, Steve, did, and sometimes he and Dr. Osner would play for hours. She and Natalie sang White Christmas along with Kate Smith, then oohed and awed with the crowd, with the whole country, when the tree was lit, signaling the start of the holiday season. Later, Mary found out her mother had been there to see it live, one of the two thousand spectators. Rusty told Mary she'd been pushed and shoved as the crowd pressed forward until she decided it wasn't worth the effort and left to catch her train to Elizabeth. She could see the tree any old day on her way home from work. For Miri, the real start of the holiday season was her mother's birthday. Miri was sure Rusty had felt robbed as a kid, having a birthday so close to Hanukkah, but Rusty assured her that no, she'd never minded having a holiday birthday. It made it more special this year, Hanukkah fell at the same time as Christmas, something Miri thought should be the rule, not the exception. She vowed she wouldn't wait until the last minute to do her shopping, but here she was on Saturday, the day before her mother's birthday, on a mission that took her downtown to Nia's Lingerie, a shop on Broad Street. Neither she nor her second best friend, Suzanne Dietz, who smelled of Noxima year-round, and had the best skin of any girl in their crowd, had ever set foot in Nia's. Just the word lingerie was enough to send them into fits of laughter. It sounded like something Mrs. Osner would say in her southern drawl instead of underwear. Underwear was what Mary and Suzanne bought at Levy Brothers, one of two department stores on Broad Street. Underwear was white cotton, but lingerie lingerie was something else. Not that there was anything suggestive in Nia's windows, not a bra or girdle in sight, and nothing black. Navy blue was as close as it got. Still, who knew what they'd find inside? Mary had clipped an ad from the Daily Post, This season, give her Nylon Tricot by Vanity Fair. She wasn't sure about Nylon Tricot, but the ad from Nia's showed a half-slip for $3.99, something her mother might appreciate since she'd been complaining about the worn-out elastic waistbands of hers. A single chime announced the opening of the door as Miri and Suzanne entered the shop. Inside, it was busy with holiday shoppers, but not overwhelming the way it would be at Levy's or Gurk's, the other downtown department store. The shoppers, all women, Talked in hushed voices. A small white Christmas tree with silver ribbons threaded through its branches, topped by a silver angel, sat on the display table. Satin bedroom slippers and delicate...